Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. morning. We are Brian and Emily Zimmerman. This is our daughter Brinley and our son Brayden in sound. Um, my lovely bride's going to read. Very nice. Oh, <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> our scripture today is from 1 Peter verses 14 through 25, and it's a lengthy one, so hang in there with me. And the print is very small. Uh, he must live as God's, we, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but you know, but you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will, ju- he will judge or reward you according to what you do. You must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in this land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave, great, gave, gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now, You must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. Will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass, their beauty is like the flower in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Great job. Guys, that's no joke reading all those verses and uh, doing that in front of all of you good-looking people. Uh, So my name is Jeremiah. We want you to know uh, a couple things. One, that you're loved and that... uh, we're a part of this together. We're stepping into something new, and we always want to make sure you hear that it's not 717 that is the answer. Instead, Jesus is the answer, and we're a part of the body of Christ. And as a part of that, uh, time to time, people are going to come through that we know, like, this is a part of the body, and we want you to experience that. And so uh, friends of mine are in town, so Jared and Audra, and you can bring the boys up if they so want to. Uh, We've become fast friends with these guys. We've known each other at least four years. Uh, They're missionaries, and they're a part of YWAM. Uh, We're super excited they're with us. They're here in town for a couple more weeks. But I wanted you to see this because, one, they're all taller than me. And uh, Jared and I are actually twins. So 
Yes, it's like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you remember that movie. Uh, but we're super excited to have with them, and we want to just pray over them. Uh, they're friends of ours. We're super excited for what they're doing. Uh, they're a part of YWAM in Montana. They're, Jared's on a leadership team that helps to go to bases, uh, build structures, build processes so that those bases can continue to function, and then they can reach more people and also be able to disciple those that come to the base. And so excited for them. They're amazing. We want you to say hi to them after church, build some relationship, get to know them. Uh, Jared looks scary, but he's not, okay? He's a big teddy bear. He's a big hugger, and he loves it. I hug him, and I'm at his uh, belly button. It's awesome. So, uh, But if you can join me in prayer, you can either put your right hand out or just simply join us in prayer. We love them. We want to bless them. Uh, and I think this might be the last Sunday before you head back, depending on schedule. So we just want to make sure you guys got to see them. So will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this family. They've already been a huge blessing uh, to Nikki and I, our family, the encouragement. Uh, but Father, they have blessed and encouraged many people. Discipleship flows out of their family. And so, Father, as they go and do what you call them to, uh, may they know they have family here. May they know that they're not alone in the tough days and we get to celebrate on the best days. Father, we pray over them, uh, the people that come into their homes, the people they come in contact with, the places that they go. They've already been all over this place that you've created and have blessed and pointed people to you. But Father, may that continue in many ways. Father, I'm thankful for these awesome boys. They are a joy. They are so much fun to be around. Father, may they grow in faith. May they become of men of God that are strong and courageous and stand for what you call them to. So, Father, thank you for Jared and Audra. Bless them. Encourage them. May they love you and each other even more than they already do. And, Father, thank you that we get to be a part of just a little bit of their lives. We love you. In your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, do you want a hug? No. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Give them a round of applause. All right, they are, seriously though, after church, uh, Jared will love to hug you and it'll be a great time. I like to bring it up often because he really doesn't love hugs so much. Maybe it's just mine. All right, so if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're in First uh, Peter chapter 1. We're going to finish the chapter today. And uh, one of the things I want to try to walk through this together is uh, we just want to recap a little bit where we've been, because as our schedule kind of lays out, sometimes it's like, oh man, where are we at? What are we doing? And so I want to recap just a little bit. So the encouragement always is bring your Bible, uh, bring something to write with as we engage with Scripture. And most importantly, we're walking through this together. This is about us walking towards Jesus together. And so uh, God is going to work and move in you, not necessarily through me, but through the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to step into that together, okay? So a while back when we first started this, we came, I had three phrases for you, and I'm going to kind of put them up one at a time here. Actually, Braden's going to put it up. I'm just going to do it, okay? I'll wave. It's like Vanna White. Number one, our current struggle, as we go through First Peter, our current struggle should show us the active promises of God, Okay? So what I mean by that, right? We're going to go walk through this together. Our current struggle should show us his active promises. That means when we're grinding through faith, when we're grinding through the tough moments of life, we should be connecting those moments to who God is and what he's promised, right? So Debbie hit the nail on the head. His steadfast love is with us in those moments. What I normally do is I try to cling on to what I can do. 
Instead, I want to cling on to his promise is his steadfast love or who he is or what he has done. Not my life specifically, it's an added bonus, but who he is, okay? So our current struggle, what you're working through right now should show his active promises, okay? Number two, suffering and persecution are a promised part of our faith in Jesus Christ. We always joke, yay, right? But naturally, the more you cling to Jesus, we are going to be opposite of this world. And we're going to actually talk a little bit about that today because what we realize is a lot of times, even in religion, we can get sideways and start to make ourselves angry instead of understanding we should cling to Jesus. Does that make sense? That happens a lot. And our culture fuels that by trying to separate us, by trying to fuel our uh, differences, okay? Suffering and persecution are a promised part of our faith in Jesus. The more we cling to him, the harder it is to just live in this world, okay? And last one, our view of God shows up clearly in all moments of life, good and bad, okay? When I'm making not healthy choices, but even in the tough moments when I'm understanding who God is, if I cling to him, it changes my perspective, right? The opposite is also true. In good moments and hard moments, what I'm worshiping usually shows up in what I'm doing, okay? So that's kind of just the ballpark that we're going to work through in Scripture, okay? So we're going to walk through the verses. Verse 1 to 2, we went through that the very first time. God knows us. God knows us and with us. Verses 3 through 12, we covered His grace and mercy. His grace and mercy is our living hope. We have hope because of what He has done, okay? Now, if you're taking notes, verses 13 to 25, this is what I want. We're going to give you kind of two sentences. He is holy and we should follow him. He is holy, and we should follow him. And so that's what you heard a little bit in this, is going, because God is holy, we should follow him. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like. But our living hope, 3 to 12, should drive us to action. Because we have hope in Jesus, because we have hope in what we're doing, because we have hope that this is not just all there is to life, we should be driven to action, okay? All right. Lots going on. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to walk through this together, okay? When it talks about, the verses start with, uh, let me switch the scripture. It talks about, therefore... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that is Christ Jesus. So, one of the things I always want to walk, remind us is like the portions of Scripture that we're walking through. Therefore, very easily, right? It's saying because of what we just said, because of what you just read, because of the living hope, therefore, that means we should be doing something, right? We, that means because this is what you should be doing. Sober-minded, to be calm and collected in spirit. And most of you know me. I'm not necessarily calm and collected in spirit. Uh, I'm a little frazzled, a little scattered. Uh, I am all over the place. But it's not necessarily our personalities that they're asking for, Christ is asking for. Instead, it's going who you are and your faith that you're settled in. Think about this. Over the last couple years of our lives, how many of us, maybe ourselves, or people we know, have become completely unraveled? 
Think about culture. Think about how much has shifted in the last three to five years. People have completely become unraveled completely all over the place. Doesn't matter what you believe, where your side you're on, people are all over the place and completely unraveled. And it's partially because they haven't centered on what they believe. And so when we talk about sober-minded and we talk about this thought process, we can easily try to make it like, okay, I've got to set on this. I've got to make this the point. I've got to do this. But here's what we need to center ourselves on. I'm going to read you three verses. If you want to write them down for later, Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? 1 Samuel Chapter 2, verse 2. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up and who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Our God is holy. We got to process that for a minute because I think part of the reasons why we easily become unraveled is because we actually have not claimed that God is holy. If God is holy, then our entire choice of situations, right, is centered because of who he is. My beliefs, my, how things should play out, my uh, appearance on how truth might be, all of that should fall under the fact that God is holy. And why is that important? Why is it important that God is holy? Because we have to recognize I am not the person. I am not who God is. I am not God. I am not the one. Instead, I have to constantly shift. If I believe what I say I believe, I have to shift and try to process that God is holy and I am not. Because how that normally plays out is I come up with an issue that I care about, and then I'll go, ah, God's not really. I kind of see sideways on that, or God, uh, and then I get all kinds of sideways because I haven't actually claimed that God is holy. Does that make sense? The more we have to center ourselves, the more we become sober-minded is actually the more we become and understand that God is holy. Okay. So he gives us three steps, kind of three things to grow into, and I'm going to put them up here for you. Three, hope drives us to action. There you go. Three phases to grow into. Number one, preparing for action. In our Christian faith, right, right from the beginning, we should be preparing for action. Not hiding, not retreating, not pulling back. Instead, we're saying, okay, God, because of who you are, because of what you have done, we're going to prepare for action. When I go out from my house every morning, maybe even when I wake up and have to deal with whoever else is in my house, whatever it might be, I'm going to prepare for action. Action is usually an engagement with somebody that needs what God is doing and you to encourage it. Right? Right? 
So number one, prepare for action. Number two, be sober-minded. Often when we think of sober, right, we think of not drunk, we think of not uh, completely off our rocker, right? Sober-minded. I am settled on what is true. That's why it's so vital for us to read God's word, to integrate, to process it, to allow it to change our lives. Because what happens is if we just read God's word for verses that make us feel better, we get real sideways real quick. Instead, we want to be sober-minded. We want to be settled on who God is and what he is doing. And then last, hope. We have hope set on grace that you received. Over and over and over again, I have to remind myself, God, you are the one that has given me grace. God, I have to step back from the throne. So our question today is, obedience should be a response to our hope. If you've ever tried to be, whether a teacher, a parent, an uncle, an aunt, grandparent, anything, if you know the difference between trying to behavior modification and the person wanting to follow, know what I mean? Behavior modification, just stop it or your hand's going to get smacked, right? Wanting to follow goes, I know that person is right for me. I know that person is something that I need to love, that I need to follow, that's what I want to do. Religion is behavior modification. I stop doing this. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing this. Grace is I know this is right. I want to follow. Do you know the difference? We can all engage and feel the difference. You know when someone loves you and wants to follow. They're listening to your words. They're stepping into that relationship. So the question for us is, is our obedience to God in because of we don't want to get in trouble or because of our hope in Jesus? You see, our passions drive us whether we care to admit it. Passions are things that can be hidden, explained, or widely accepted. Right? Many of us are driven by our passions. Not all of them are bad, but it's easy sometimes, especially in our current context and culture, to go, our passions can drive us, and, and we don't even really admit it. Whether it be our search for significance, our relationship with someone, we, whatever it might be, we can easily have a passion, and we can easily hide them, explain them away, or just they're widely accepted so you don't have to deal with anything. But scripture calls us to the opposite, okay? And even in church, this is widely accepted because we lack the ability to be in each other's life. You see, if we all come here every Sunday and we hang out and we say, great, we sing some songs, we read some Bible verses, but we never actually integrate into each other's life. We never get to know each other well enough to go, hey, this felt funny. Hey, this might be something you need to think about. Hey, this is something where we're going, you might need to allow Jesus to work. And the reason we don't do that is because we're afraid of what we might actually have to bring up or give up. And so this is kind of the direction we as a church went ahead is we actually want to be in relationship enough. We actually want to know each other enough that goes, hey, this is something that you and I, we're going to walk towards Jesus together. Yay. 
You see, many of us have been dealing with stuff our whole lives, and we've never actually brought any kind of brotherly Christian relationship into it to talk about it because we're afraid. But let's go backwards. If God is holy and he's the one doing it, what can change that? What can change that, right? So in pondering the holiness of our God, it helps us understand that he is God and I am not. The more we grasp God's holiness, it pulls us out of religion and into grace and gives us life. Do you see it? We focus on the holiness of God. It brings us to grace. It pulls us out of what we can do and gives us life. The more we grasp his holiness, the more we stop minimizing what Scripture says. Maybe you're like me where you're like, okay, I read a verse. I know I should do something about this. I'm going to set my Bible down and walk away. Right? And it applies to all of us, every single one of us. Debbie said it today, right? We're all in the same boat. We're all broken people need a Savior. We're all in the same thing going, I am not God. However, I'm going to continue because of my brokenness to be God. And because of that, I'm going to just hide and be by myself. I got friends, but no one actually knows me. Okay. Verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver of gold, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Often when we hear the word ransom, we start walking down the road of guilt and all that we've done. Anytime I think about, okay, God, you died on the cross for me, that's great. I start immediately in my head playing all the sins I know that I did. And I know there's more than that. But man, that gets us sideways because it makes his death and resurrection about or I make it about me instead of about what he did. It's not about me. It's about his glory. All of that stuff, broken, sinful, is not about me, right? I still have to pay the consequences. I still have to deal with it. I still have to... Instead, though, it brings hope into the conversation because all of that is something that God gets to use for his glory. The question is, do we believe that? You see, we hide our stuff, we hide from relationship because we don't actually believe that God is holy. We don't actually believe that he can use what we went through for his glory. And so then we just, we're all our own little mini churches, right? So that's what I'm trying to call us to. That's what I'm trying to say is if you believe that God is holy, he says, be holy like me. I can't be holy. He can and what I can do is respond by allowing his grace to actually cover my sin, and I believe it, and then he gets to use it for his glory. And that's why, as the church, things change when we start to actually confess stuff to each other. That's why, as the church, it goes, oh boy, if I really open this up a little bit, if I really, though, are you really going to love me? Verse 22, obedience to the truth purifies our soul. It produces a sincere brotherly love. 
the more we grasp who God is and what he's done for us, the more we understand the person sitting next to me, the person sitting near me, I can love them because they're the exact same as me. They are just as broken as me. And that goes for all of our relationships, right? And so it should start in the church, right? Everybody, oh, it should start, right? Wait, it should start in the body of Christ because we grasp it. We were told, you are forgiven. The price was paid. Okay. So then I'm going to challenge one more thing and we're going to give us some time to process. The question for each of us is, that: are we living for the temporary or the eternal? A shift in my perspective allows me to see situations differently. Verse 19, the precious blood ties us to the eternal. Verse 24, the incredibleness of this life is just passing. And I need you to hear this. This is true for all of us. For many of us, this world is hard, but there's a lot of good things. We like it. It looks good a lot of ways. It tastes good a lot of ways. It's fun. There's laughter. There's so many good things. But if we process it well, we understand this is passing and not eternal. So the temporary, one, because of his blood, we're tied together to the eternal. Number two, the incredibleness of this life is passing. And number three, the word of the Lord remains forever. An eternity mindset galvanizes us as his. His hope drives us to action, and action drives us to a personal holiness and a brotherly love. So the last thing, our personal our action drives us to a personal holiness and a brotherly love. All right, Braden, can you put those four questions up there? Oh, there we go. All right. So what we do here is we give us time. We're going to take just a couple minutes and just process, okay, God, this is your word. This is for you. So this is an opportunity. I'm going to go through the questions together. Now, I always tell people, I wrote these questions so they might not make sense. So I'll try to explain them. They're not about, it's just a sideways when I don't explain that, okay? But we're going to give some time. We'll set some time together. Okay, number one, what area of your life, my life, do I need to focus on his holiness versus the issue? Okay? If you want, you can write the issue on your paper, right? This is the thing I'm struggling with. This is the thing I'm dealing with. This is the thing. I am still bitter about this. I am still this. Whatever it is, what area of life do you need to focus on his holiness instead of the issue? Okay? Because what we focus on matters. Number two, what don't you want to give up? Scripture says there's passions in us that are being purified from us. There's things that are being cut out of our lives. That's a good thing. I don't always want to give them up. Right? What don't you want to give up? Number three, how would an eternal perspective change what you're dealing with right now? How would an eternal perspective, right? Okay, I'm going to pull back. Instead of focusing, drilling down on that one thing, I'm going to focus on what God's doing and try to see the whole of the picture. I might not see the whole thing, but I can trust that God sees the whole thing. Okay? And last, 
How is the Spirit asking you to move in personal holiness and brotherly love? Okay, I finished with because of hope, right? It galvanizes that we're with him. His hope drives us to action. Action drives us to personal holiness and brotherly love. We're a body of the Christ. We're the body, right? How should we try what in your life, how is the Spirit asking you to move in one of those areas? And if you want to get crazy, you can answer this question. Not right now. You can. Let's just get crazy. Uh, but you can answer this. Answer this with somebody this week. And what it looks like is this. Hey, this is what God's trying to teach me. One sentence. Start there. Father, we just, uh, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And so, Father, as we focus more on your holiness, may we understand who you are a little bit more. Father, may we trust you a little bit more today. And so as we're kind of processing um, our life, may we get our eyes on you in that. Father, we love you and we need you. Help us to trust you for a step of faith, for how you want to move in our lives. And Father, thank you for the grace you've given. So Father, thank you for today. Thanks for doing this with my friends and the chance to love you a little bit more. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what his word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.